Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Why don't we take it from verse 8? It's the story of David and Goliath. 1 Samuel chapter 17, and I'm reading from verse 8. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. And then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, this is verse 11, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Dismayed and terrified. Let's pray. Father, just thank you for your word. And I thank you for your spirit and your presence. And I just love the fact that in a service we open up your word because we know that every time we do that, it's an opportunity for you to speak into our lives. And I just pray that in the midst of all the words that shall be spoken today, Lord God, I pray that you would speak a word because we're hungry to hear from you above all else, Lord God. Find every fear and intimidation, Father, in the name of Jesus. So let there be freedom here. Hungry to hear a word from you, Father. Speak by, the, by your spirit, I pray. Let there be nothing in me that hinders this word. And I thank you for what you're going to do today. I, I thank you that there's going to be miracles in the house today, Lord God. Because of your grace and mercy. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Uh, there was a movie uh, that came out. Uh, some years ago called Vantage Point. Um, It was an interesting movie where a simple scene plays out. President leaves, American president leaves a hotel on his way to make a speech. Uh, Along the way, you see eight seemingly insignificant characters, a guy filming on his video camera, little girl having an ice cream and, and six others just doing seemingly insignificant things. Then they arrive at the place where the president was to make a speech uh, and a bomb goes off. Um, President escapes uh, the particular uh, bombing and and he survives. Uh, It's a scene that maybe lasts a few minutes. Uh, What's interesting is after it's played out once, they start playing it again from the beginning. Um, And then they play it again. And I remember watching it thinking, we're just going to see this scene over and over again. Uh, and I was about to kind of just, you know, you know, the, the change button or whatever. But what was interesting is each time they played it again, they played it from the vantage point of each of the seemingly insignificant characters in the movie. And as each scene unfolds from the perspective of each of the characters, the plot is revealed and kind of you, you, you get drawn into the movie and it's a pretty good movie, very clever how they put it all together. Story of David and Goliath uh, is a story we all know. We're all familiar with the story of David and Goliath. Uh, in fact, it's so well known, it's made its way into mainstream media. 
journalists talk about David and Goliath battles. An individual takes on a multinational company and they win. It was a David and Goliath battle and, and they won. Typically, whenever we look at the story of David and Goliath, we see it from the perspective of David. We all want to be David in the story. Can I hear an amen? Um, Goliath is the enemy and we want to fight the enemy, whatever and whoever the enemy might be. Usually a sermon on David and Goliath is a call to be courageous. You can do it. Face your enemy. God is with you uh, and, uh, and uh, he, he can see you through. That's a really powerful message just for the record. That's not a message to be dismissed. It's actually in Scripture. It's part of the Word of God. Uh, God can use us to overcome whatever enemy is in our lives. Can I hear an amen? Bible says, they will fight against you, but will not overcome you, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. That's a Scripture for someone today. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. But what if we looked at the story of David and Goliath, not just from David's perspective, what if we looked at the story from the vantage point of all of those involved? Maybe we could do a sermon series on the story of David and Goliath and kind of do a series on all of the people involved in the story. In the first message, we could look at young David bringing lunch to his brothers. Um, sermon title would be, Be Faithful in the Little. I love this. It's the power of a servant heart. You know, so often people are looking to do the big thing, the great thing. Here was David just being faithful in bringing lunch to his brothers. It's being faithful in, this, in the little things. It's the power of a servant heart. It's what we need to develop in our lives. We could lean, we learn that from David. In the second message, we could look at the older brothers and, uh, and this would probably be my favourite message. You know the story, the older brothers see David asking questions. David gets to the battlefield. He noticed everyone's scared of Goliath. He starts asking questions. Who is Goliath? What is Saul saying? Um, you know, uh, and you know, what do you get if you fight the enemy? And obviously Saul's going to give his daughter. I mean, just, just, that's crazy. But anyway, and all this kind of stuff, you know. And so the brothers find out and they say to David, you are so conceited. I know how evil you are. In reality, they were jealous of him. David had just been uh, ordained or anointed king. That message would be entitled, the older brother in all of us. Because mm. there's an older brother in all of us. Then there's King Saul, the third message. You can see the battle from his perspective. Saul is there with all his pomp and ceremony. He looks powerful, but he hasn't got a clue. That message would be, never judge a book by its cover. In other words, don't be deceived. Uh, here's Saul. He's got, you know, he's got the, the, the outfit. He's got the whole thing. He's got the chair, the position and everything, but he's powerless. Never judge a book by its cover. God said to Samuel, the Lord doesn't look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Next, we can see the story from the Philistines' perspective. Philistines feel powerful, strong. No one can beat us. They've got Goliath, so no one's going to beat us. The Philistines feeling really powerful on the day of battle. They have this one in the bag, a bit like the Crows on the 2019 Grand Final. <laughs> Sorry to bring that up, but uh, it's in the bag. We're going to win this one. And message would be entitled, Never Underestimate the Power of Little Things. Because from little things... Big things grow. 
Uh, it's a principle that goes right throughout Scripture. I can't see if you're laughing or not, and it's, it's not helping me here. It's not help, I'm not getting feedback here. That's <laughs> uh, a principle that goes right throughout Scripture. It's a little bit of oil that God used to save the widow. It's the jawbone of a donkey. It's a, it's a staff in the hand of Moses. It's a, a little bit of fish and bread in a little boy's hand that, that God uses to feed, feed the multitudes. It's a pen in the Apostle Paul's hand that seems really insignificant. But through that pen, he writes half of the New Testament. Had a powerful impact. Never underestimate the power of little things. He's little David. He looks insignificant, looks like a nobody to the outside. But God was about to use him to do something very powerful. Then there's the battle from Goliath's perspective who says to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? You know, Goliath has no idea what's about to hit him. Oh, that was funny. Come on. The message would be entitled, have you got rocks in your head? I did that all by myself this week. Come on. I was very, come on, come on. Oh, that's, uh, thank you. Thank you. So as you view the story of David and Goliath from the vantage point of all the different people involved, you get a bigger picture. The story becomes so much richer and, and you know, we could dive in to, to, to see this whole story from the vantage point of all the people involved. It's a powerful story. We can learn so much from all of them because reality is there's a bit of us in, in most of the people involved. What I want to focus on today is to see the battle from the, the vantage point of the Israelites. I want, us, I want us to see the story from the vantage point of the Israelite army. Israelites had gathered to fight the Philistines. Every day Goliath comes out and he screams at the Israelites, choose one of your men. Let them come down and fight me. If you win, if he wins, we'll serve you. If I win, you're going to serve us. And he, and, he, and, he, and he screamed at them for 40 days. Bible says on hearing his words, Saul and the Israelites were dismayed and terrified, frightened, scared, helpless. Frightened, scared and helpless because as they looked at this giant in and of themselves, there was no way they could defeat this giant in and of themselves. So what does all of this mean to us? Well, in life, all of us from time to time are faced with giants. Our giants don't come with swords and shields and spears, but rather they come to us with emotions we can't resolve, bills we can't pay, problems we can't fix, a sickness we can't heal, relationships we can't resolve, addictions we can't break, a past we can't shake, things like depression, anxiety, and so forth. And the biggest giants are not the ones outside of us, Sometimes the biggest giants are the ones that are in our minds and in our heart. Can I hear an amen? They're the ones that wake us up in the middle of the night and we can't seem to shake. Our giant is anything that seems bigger than us, stronger than us, anything that's stopping us from, from possessing our future, anything that in our hearts and minds seems bigger than us, stronger than us is a giant. Goliath says, choose someone to fight me and if he wins, we'll serve you. If not, if you win, then you'll serve us. Or if I win, you know what I mean. So let me say this from the outset. We will become a slave to whatever it is we don't conquer. We will become a slave to whatever giant we don't conquer. If you don't conquer fear, you will become a slave to fear. 
Fear is going to tell you what to do. Fear is going to say to you, no, we're not going out today because something bad is going to happen to you today. Fear is going to keep you locked up in a room. You're going to become a slave to fear. Either you face it and deal with it or you will become a slave to fear. If you don't conquer unforgiveness, you'll become a slave to whoever hurt you. If you don't conquer unforgiveness, you, you will be a slave to whoever hurt you. You'll be forever thinking about what they did and so on and so on. They, you're gonna be a slave to them in your mind where you think about them every single day, what they did and, and, and so on and so on. Unforgiveness. That's why the Bible tells us the power of forgiveness. What releases us from that wound, what releases us from that hurt is forgiveness. Is it easy? No, it's not easy. It's the grace of God that helps us to forgive the unforgivable. If you don't conquer anger, from time to time, you're gonna lose it. You know, you're gonna, if you don't conquer the anger from time to time, someone's gonna say something, do something, and it's gonna trigger the anger and out it comes. And you're gonna say things and do things you wish you never said, things you never did. And as soon as you say it and do it, you're gonna regret everything you just did. Anger. Oh, you know me, I've, we talked about this before. I'm just shocked at the road rage. I, I just love it. I, 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 I laugh, you know. I mean, you know, from time to time, I cut people off. I just, you know, it's just, sometimes I just do it for fun. Let me see if there's a reaction going on. It happened to me recently where, you know, I was in a roundabout and I just went, you know, my, the nose of my car was just out a little bit. He could easily have passed. He passes me in the roundabout and, he, and, and he's in front of me, right? And He's got his arm out the window doing all kinds of gestures, which they weren't really nice ones. I've got no idea what he was doing. But anyway, I thought, are you for real? I was going to chase him. And then I thought, he probably comes to church, you know, something like that. So I thought, better not. One of the, one of the little issues about being a pastor. If we, if, we don't, if, we don't, if we don't face that addiction, you're going to be a slave to the addiction. The addiction is going to tell you when, how, how much, and so on. You will be a slave to that giant. I wonder there might be someone here today, you've got a giant in your life, a person, a situation, a sickness, an addiction. It's screaming at you saying, I'm bigger than you, stronger than you, and I will bring you down. And you will be my slave for the rest of your life. Big question is, how do we deal with the Goliaths in our life? Well, let me give you a couple of principles we learned from the vantage point of the Israelites. Looking at this whole story from the Israelites' perspective, let me just give you a few principles. The first thing we need to do is stop fighting. We need to get to the end of ourselves and give up the fight. How did the Israelite army beat Goliath? How did the Israelite army bring down Goliath, do you know what they did? They did nothing, <laughs> absolutely nothing. <laughs> How do we deal with the giants in our life? In a similar way. It's like um, the person that's drowning, the more they struggle, the more they drown. Can't save them while they're, they're struggling. You need to wait till they stop fighting. It's like the person in, in quicksand. How many people remember Tarzan? Come on. 
You know, all of those over 50. How many people remember Tarzan? There was always, it's the only place I ever saw quicksand. Never seen it. But the more they struggled, the deeper they went. Can't save them while they're struggling. Can only save them when they stop fighting. What do you do when you're facing a giant? Is we, 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 when we're facing a giant, what we try and do is we, we use intelligence, reasoning, threats, willpower, strength to deal with a giant. And usually none of that works. All it does is makes the whole matter worse rather than better. I love the scripture in Proverbs 3, 5 that says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He's going to make your paths. Lean not on your own understanding. I don't know about you, but I lean a lot on my own understanding. And so often when we do, we make things worse. First step in Alcoholics Anonymous says, and by the way, this is, this is a, a Christian program. First step in Alcoholics Anonymous says, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol. That's the first step. First step in, in the 12-step program, if you want to conquer this particular you know, addiction or any of them for that matter, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol. Here's the thing. All of us need to get to a place in our life where we say, I can't beat this. It's stronger than me, more powerful than me. There's nothing I can do to fix this situation. We all need to get a place to a place where we reach the end of ourselves. It's where we stop trying to control, manage, feeling like we can do it in our own strength. It's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm always relying on my might and my power rather than the Spirit of God. And because, we, because when we give up, then we can start to tap into God's power and strength. Bible says Paul had a thorn in his flesh. Three times he prayed that God would remove it. And Jesus said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. When we get to the end, when he got to the end of himself, he was then able to tap into the grace of God to help him deal with the situation that he was facing, whatever the thorn in the flesh was for him. Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's part of the Beatitudes where Jesus spoke on the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What did Jesus mean by that? Well, first of all, what Jesus isn't saying is he's not speaking about physical poverty. He's speaking about spiritual poverty. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Jesus isn't saying, well, if you're poor, you're going to experience you know, the, uh, the resources of heaven. That's not what it's saying. It's blessed are the poor in spirit. And what Jesus is speaking about here is a humble spirit, a broken spirit. A person that has reached the end of themselves. A person that says, I can't do this on my own. I need someone to help me. Man, it's a powerful thing to get to the end of ourselves. It's one of the, one of the strongest themes that runs right throughout about Scripture. If you want to get to heaven and get saved, if you want, if you want to be saved, you've got to get to the end. You've got to stop trying to save yourself. People think, oh, I'm going to do good work. I'm going to be better. I'm going to be a better person. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to get angry at that guy that cuts me off on the road. I'm, I'm going to do better every single day. And the more we, tr we try, the, hard, the harder we get. We need, to, we need to get to a place where we say, I cannot save myself. I need someone to help me. 
Jesus is saying that's the kind of people that will experience the blessed life. There are two words in the Greek used for poverty. One speaks of the poverty we can get by working hard. It's, it's the kind of poverty that, that says, you know what, if, if you work hard, uh, you, you'll be able to climb out of that poverty. Get a job and, and, and start saving your money. You know, I, I, I think about our, our, uh, the migrants that came out, you know, in the 60s, uh, you know, they've all got the same story. You know, I came to Australia with a one suitcase, you know, $20, $20 in my pocket or 10 lira or whatever it is. Anyway, they, they didn't come with me. That was all the same story, you know, and they worked hard. They had literally nothing, but they worked hard. They took one job, two jobs, three jobs, and, 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 and you know, now they're blessed. But, but there's a second word in the Greek that speaks about poverty, and this is the kind of poverty you cannot get out of. It's the kind of poverty we see in, in some of the third world countries where it, they, they don't have any opportunities to be able to climb out of the poverty. There is nothing that they can do. They're in the middle of a desert and, and, and there, there is no way that they can climb out of that, that poverty. They rely on the goodwill of people and the mercy of people. Well, that's the kind of poverty Jesus is speaking about right here in the text. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, because when we're spiritually poor, we become spiritually dependent. And when we are dependent on God, we have the resources of heaven at our disposal. Now, that doesn't make a lot of sense to our human mind. We, you know, we, we, we think we need to be strong and tough and in control, show people that we can handle this. You know, we've got to convince people that we, we've got it all together and we, we, we can do this one. Jesus is saying no. The kind of people who are blessed are those who've reached the end of themselves, who realise they have nothing, who understand that without God, they're nothing. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Man, it's a great script. I know it's a simple principle. I know, I know that it's, an, you know, but this is, this is powerful and it's very, it's where we get to the end of ourselves and say, you know what, God, I can't do this. I got this giant before me, Lord, and I, and I, there, there is not a thing I can do to fight this giant. Jesus says to them is the kingdom of heaven. It's those kind of people that are able to tap into the resources of the kingdom of heaven. Powerful scripture. First thing to overcoming our giant is stop fighting. I am powerless to overcome this giant. Second principle is understand the, the battle belongs to the Lord. Understand the battle belongs to the Lord. It's not ours to fight. It's God's battle to fight. I want you to understand that no matter what, what battle you're facing in your life, God is fighting for you. Battle belongs to the Lord and He will give you the victory. Uh, second step in Alcoholics Anonymous, bit of AA today, is, listen to carefully, we came, this is number two, step number two. We came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Now, if you're a Christian, this has a Christian base here, that, there's a specific purpose to that, but, but the higher power for us is God Almighty. We came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Stop fighting in your strength and confess that the battle belongs to the Lord. This is His battle to fight. God is not in heaven. God, oh, my, oh my goodness. You know what? I, I didn't see who. 
Where, where are the angels? You know, you're involved in a battle. God didn't know about it. God knows about the battle that you're facing. And he's fighting for you. We see this concept right throughout Scripture. Moses is before the Red Sea. Egyptians are coming behind him. The Red Sea is there. What do they do? Where do they go? People are starting to say, we should have stayed in Egypt. I love these people. They spent 430 years in slavery and whatever. And first, first problem, they've just seen God do 10 amazing miracles amongst them. First problem, oh, we should have stayed in Egypt. Of course, we wouldn't have said that. Not here at Life Christian Centre. Bible says this, and Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation. Do not be afraid. Stand still. See the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more. The Lord shall fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Joseph is facing a bigger and stronger army. What does he do? How does he beat them? God speaks through a prophet. Listen to what he says. King, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. It's what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours. It belongs to God. This is God's battle to fight. We need to understand that the battle belongs to the Lord. It's an, it's an interesting uh, scripture. It's an interesting principle. They kind of seem a little bit redundant, but stay with me. And it's an attitude of the heart that says, as I look at this giant that's before me, I don't have the power to face this particular giant. And there's an attitude in my heart that says, but I know God can help me face whatever the situation is. In a sense, in the story, David represents Christ who is fighting our battles for us. It's David who says to the, to, to the guys, he says to the Israelite army, he, you know, there they are sitting on the side of the hill, petrified, biting their nails. You know, you could just see it on the side. Of, they got no idea what to do. And here comes David along and it kind of represents Christ. He says to the, to the army, God, don't worry, I will fight this battle for you. Jesus is saying to you and me, I'm going to fight this one for you. I'll step in, don't worry. Leave this one to me. How's everybody doing today? You're very quiet this morning. You're making me nervous. <laughs> now some of you might be thinking, okay, Pastor Joe. So I've got this giant before me and what you're saying to me First of all, I've got to stop fighting it. And you, you probably in your, in your mind, you've already got some thoughts about what this giant looks like for you. First of all, you're telling me stop fighting it. Admit that the giant is bigger than you. I already know that. And secondly, you want me to say, this is not my battle. This is God's battle. And I've got to leave it to him. So are you saying then that I should maybe sit down and do nothing? Go fishing, maybe go on a holiday? Can't go very far. We'll let the giant do whatever they want to do. Just let them run amok and just do whatever they want to do and hope and pray that someone like David will come along and defeat the giant. No, that's not exactly what I'm saying. As I said, getting, getting to the end of ourselves, it's an attitude of the heart. It's a dying to self. It's something which is profound and and, and, and powerful in our walk with God. I get to the end of myself. I am what I am by the grace of God, says the Apostle Paul. 
He understood that he was where he was because of the grace of God, not because of his IQ, not because of his wisdom, not because of, of, of his power or his strength or status or money. He was where he was because of the grace of God. I get to the end of, of myself. And then I confess that the battle belongs to God. And this brings me to my third point. Third thing we do is we pray and then we obey. Cry out to God, do whatever He tells you to do. We don't react, don't, don't fret. We pray and then we obey. Moses standing before the Red Sea, Egyptians are coming from the other side, they're about to be annihilated. Moses is praying. He's crying out to God. God speaks to Moses and says, don't be afraid. Stand still. I'm with you. This is my battle. I'm going to see you through. And then God says to him, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. He has a specific instruction as to what he should do. Get your staff, touch the sea and move ahead on dry ground. Moses, Moses obeys, the rest is history. Listen carefully. We need to get to the end of ourselves. Say, God, this battle belongs to you. And then we pray and obey and do whatever God tells us to do. Joseph had his fearful alarm because of the magnitude of the enemy before him. He has a word from God. This battle belongs to the Lord. Do not be afraid or discouraged. And then the, then the prophet said, go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord shall be with you. Joseph had puts the worshippers up front, you know the story, and, uh, and they're and they, uh, they the ones kind of leading the battle, beginning to worship God. As, as they begin to move towards the enemy, God gives them the victory. It's not, it's not Moses controlling the situation. It's not Moses on a, on a, with a whiteboard coming up with some options as to how we might deal with this situation. That's what I do when I've got a problem. I'm a whiteboard man. So I get my whiteboard mark. What are the options that I can do here? It's not Moses guy there with a whiteboard going, well, how can we deal with this particular situation? He's got a strategist around him and, uh, and coming up with some, some brainstorming, some ideas how we might move through this. He's praying and, and crying out to God. What do you want me to do, God? I can't deal with this one. This battle is yours. What do you want me to do, Lord God? And then he gets a word from God. It's not Jehoshaphat saying, well, I've got a few ideas here. God, what do you think? He's praying and fasting. And he's crying out to God, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. What a great scripture. What a, what a great verse that I've prayed so many times in my own life. Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are upon you, Lord God. Lord, i got no strength to fight this particular giant, but my eyes are upon you, Lord God, because you're going to see me through. And it's in that context that God begins to speak. And then God gives him a word. How many of us believe that God still speaks today? How many of us believe that God can actually speak to us in those kind of situations? 
I'm, I'm convinced that a lot of the challenges that we face are an opportunity to get closer to God so that God can speak into our lives and into our hearts. David in the story is kind of like a two-sided coin, you know. On the one hand, he represents Jesus and I believe that uh, and I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go out for you and fight for you. But on the other hand, he's kind of representing the, the Israelite army. There's a battle, God speaks to him. He says, uh, uh, he says I'll go and fight this giant. He, he comes onto the battlefield and he, and he sees the whole situation. And there's a sense where God had been preparing David for this particular battle from, for many years. I fought a lion, I fought a bear, you know, and, and, and there's a sense in him where this is a God-ordained moment. I'll go and fight this giant. Notice what he says to Goliath. You come against me with sword and spear and javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defeated. I come against you. Notice he's saying, I don't come against you in my name. I don't come against you with my strength, with my ability. He says, notice, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, who you have defied. This day the Lord shall deliver you into my hand and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I'll give you the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and of the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And all those gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the, there it is again, for the battle is the Lord's and He will give all of you into our hands. Again, He's not saying, this is not my battle. This, this battle belongs to God. There's a humility about him as he's facing this giant. There's a dependence on God. And then there's a recognition. This battle belongs to the Lord. And as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, what did David do? Did he sit on a chair? David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching out into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. And the stone sank into the forehead and he fell face down to the ground. Often what we need in the tough situations is not more opinions, it's not more advice. What we need is a word of wisdom from God. A word that is going to give us the victory. And sometimes that word may seem crazy, but it's a word from God. Touch the water with your staff. You couldn't even come up with that, even if you, like in the most creative day, you could not come up with that as a solution. But it's the Word of the Lord and it's the key to dealing with that situation. Send out the choir first. You don't come up with that kind of a strategy. It's a God strategy. Send little David out to go and fight the giant with a few pebbles, with a few pebbles. Saul tried to deal with it with his mind. He put, my, put on my armour, here's my sword, here's my javelin, here's, here's my armour used. That's the way we think. And God thinks completely differently. Sends out little David to fight this giant with a few stones in a slingshot. It's God who's fighting the battle and leading the way. What is the giant in your life? Is it sickness, anxiety, 
depression, it's a marriage issue, finance. How do we deal with the giant? Do, do, do we do everything that you can? Do you, do you do everything that you can to defeat the giant? No. Do you sit back and do nothing? No. We learn something from the vantage point of the Israelites. We get to the end of ourselves. We admit that we are powerless. I don't know what to do. The giant is bigger than me. There's nothing I can do here with my own strength. We understand the battle is not ours to fight. We understand the battle belongs to the Lord. We rely on a, a higher power, God. It's His battle to fight. He's fighting for us. And then we pray. And as, as, as we cry out to God, He will tell us what to do. He will speak a word into our lives. He will speak a word into our hearts. And sometimes that word will be, sit down and do nothing. Some of the giants in our lives, the way we fight them is keep our mouth shut and do nothing. Just sit there and wait and stand on the promises of God's Word who says, I will see you through by the grace of God. And there are other times where God will drop a word into our spirit and He'll say, do this and do that. And it's as we obey that God gives us the victory by His grace and for His glory. Now, I, 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 no, I, I, I want to say that there are some of you here today, you're facing some giants which are just crazy giants. And, and, and I, don't, I don't want to, you know, here's, here's Pastor Joe's little three-point plan on how to deal with the giants in your life. I understand that if we fight, if we're able to overcome any giant, it's by the grace of God, ultimately. It's the grace of God. It's the grace of God that enables us to get to the end of ourselves. It's the grace of God that gives us a revelation of the fact that the battle belongs. It's the grace of God that enables us to hear the voice of the Spirit and then actually act on the voice of the Spirit. It's the grace of God that helps us overcome whatever giant we're facing in our life. My grace is sufficient for you, says the Lord Almighty. But it's the way God works. It's the way God works in our lives. Now, I just pray that whatever giant you're facing today, I pray that whatever giant you're facing today, that God is going to give you the victory in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Sick and tired of being a slave to the work of, sick and tired of being a slave to whatever it is the enemy's throwing at our lives and fear and this and that and the other thing that he throws at us continuously, that, that, that giants that are speaking to us, bigger than you, stronger than you, going to be my slave for the rest of your life. And we rebuke that in the name of Jesus. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. God says, I'm with you. And I'm going to give you the victory for the glory of God. Here's what I want to do. Just as I wrap up today, I just want every eye closed, every head bowed. I just want to pray for you. Because there's some people here, you're facing some giants. The pandemic, you couldn't, you couldn't care about the pandemic. It's the least of your worries. Giants you're facing are greater and bigger than any of that. For some of you, the pandemic has triggered something. Others are facing different kinds of giants.
If that's you today, uh, and this word has meant something to you, I just want to pray for you. So all I can do is pray for you. I just like you to stand wherever you are. If you're comfortable, if there's no one, that's fine. But if there's a giant in your life and you'd like prayer, I just want you to stand wherever you are. And I'm going to pray for you. In the name of Jesus. I'm not going to be a slave anymore to fear. I'm not going to be a slave to any work of the enemy in Jesus' name. There are, there are, there are some of you, your giant is, is crazy big, crazy. I'm just going to believe that God is going to do something. Come on, church. God is going to release His Word. God is going to release His Word. It's not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. This mountain shall be removed by shouts of grace, grace, grace. Come on, grace. That's a word for the church. Grace, grace to it. And it's by the grace of God, that giant is going to be defeated in the name of Jesus. Come on, church. In Jesus' name. Just one more minute. There might be somebody else. You're fighting right now. Shall I stand or not? Shall I? Just stand. Come on. We're in the presence of God. We're with family today. So, Father, I just thank you that you're fighting our battles for us. Father, you know every individual here. Every individual here is a story. Every individual here has a story about a giant that seems bigger, greater than them. A giant that's saying, that's never going to happen. You're going to be my slave forever. I just pray for them in the name of Jesus, that your spirit would be released in this place in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I believe that you're the God of miracles. Your word says, and by the hands of the apostles, God did many miracles. Reach out your hand today across this congregation. Those that are watching online, Lord God, that are standing right now, Father, that they would experience the presence and the grace of God upon their lives even right now. Father, we commit this to you. We recognize the battle belongs to you. And Father, speak to us by your Spirit and give us the grace, the courage to obey and see a mighty victory in Jesus' name. And we will give you the glory and the honor. We bind every work of the enemy, every attack of the enemy, over our heart and soul, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want everybody else to stand stand with me. And Father, I just thank you for this congregation. Mighty congregation, thank you, Lord. As we go from this place, use us for your glory. Wherever we go, whatever we're doing this week, whatever the agenda is, Lord God, let us always remember to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. Let us bring your kingdom wherever it is that we go this week, I pray. And we will give you all the glory that is due to your name. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great week in Jesus' name. Amen.